Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Today's teaching in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25 was recorded in December of last year. Now here's Pastor Michael and the miraculous birth of the King. We are looking at the miraculous birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're doing a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Matthew, so that's the first book of the New Testament. So why don't you go ahead and open up there. We are going to read the section together. This is Matthew 1, beginning in verse 18. If you're physically able to stand with us, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? Matthew 1, we start in verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Matthew 1.19. Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. You can have a seat. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for all the precious souls who have braved the rain here in Southern California. (laughs) Somewhat rare. But thank you for the rain, and your word is like rain in Isaiah 55, coming down, watering our souls, bringing new growth, new insights, new blessing, new refreshment, manna for today, Lord. But it's not just for today, because it has dividends beyond today. And we are here to hear from you. We want to grow in our most holy faith. We want to become more like our king, and we want to represent the kingdom of God more in the way that we live, the way that we preach, the way that we respond. Joseph is such a wonderful kingdom example, and I pray that you would give us both the insights into the theology today, but also into the practical application, which will uh, be here in the text as well. And I pray that we'd please you, Lord, in the way that we both teach and respond to the word of God. May you be glorified We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. So last week, we looked at the uh, gracious credentials of the king. We looked at the genealogy of Jesus Christ. You could say his family tree. And we saw some really interesting, surprising names in the genealogy of Jesus. In fact, several Gentile women are in his genealogy. And we found out that Jesus comes from the line of Judah. Judah is the kingly line, and we know that uh, Judah was one of the sons of Jacob, and we'll get into that in a second. 
And so we've moved down. Uh, we looked at the first 17 verses. We looked at those generations leading up to this moment. And if you look back just for a second in verse 16 of the genealogy, we are now uh, getting close to Joseph. And it says, Jacob, 116 of Matthew, was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. We noted that he's not called the father of Jesus. He's not the biological father, but he was the husband of Mary and will become the adoptive legal father of Jesus. More in a moment. By whom Jesus was born who is called the Christ or the Messiah. We said we could render that the king. And then we have the outline of the generations in verse 17. I had a precious young lady in the congregation say to me when we studied the credentials of Jesus last time, the family tree, that she was a little surprised that Jesus didn't come from the line of Old Testament Joseph, but rather from the line of Judah. Now, the Old Testament Joseph, many of you are familiar with his story. It unfolds in Genesis 37, taking us all the way to the end of the book of Genesis. And the marvelous story of Joseph, sold into slavery by his brothers because of jealousy, ends up in Egypt, becomes the uh, amazing leader. Uh, The family of Jacob ends up flowing down to Egypt and being saved as a result of Joseph. And his famous words ring through the corridor of times, what you meant for evil, God intended for good. And this young lady said, you know, the way Joseph pictures Jesus, the way he responded uh, to difficult circumstances, you would think that Jesus would come from Joseph's line, but he comes from Judah's line. Interestingly enough, when you go back to Genesis 37 through 50, you find that there's one interruption in the Old Testament Joseph story And the one interruption is to tell the story of Judah, how Judah slept with his daughter-in-law who was dressed as a prostitute. And she did this basically to spite him and to, to have something be accomplished that he failed to do. It's a long story. You can listen to last week's uh, version of it. But bottom line is that's the only interruption in the, in the Joseph story is Judah sleeping with his daughter-in-law and producing these twins who are also in the line of Jesus. And we talked about last week that this could be, you know, fodder for an afternoon talk show, maybe a couple months worth of episodes, all in the genealogy, genealogy of Jesus. But as we study his genealogy and as we get close to the birth narrative, we find that Joseph, the New Testament Joseph, is the father, the legal father of Jesus, not his biological father. So it got me thinking a little bit to Old Testament Joseph because that's who New Testament Joseph is named after. And here's the story. It's in the book of Genesis. We'll take just a quick detour uh, to the first book of our Bibles. We're going to go to chapter 30. Let me just paint the picture quickly for you. So what's happened is Jacob has married two different women. His true love was Rachel. We're going to go to Genesis 30, verse 23. But Uncle Laban snuck in Leah on the wedding night and Jacob was connived and he had been a conniver and it came back to bite him. And so Leah was unloved but still married to Jacob and she was able to produce several offspring, including a daughter, but several sons. And Rachel was loved by Jacob. She was his true love, but she was barren. And so her sister was able to produce children. She was not. In that culture, it was really seen as a terrible thing that you couldn't uh, have children. 
So finally, Rachel, Jacob's true love, conceives. It's in Genesis 30, 23. It says, so she conceived, Rachel did, and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. Genesis 30, 24. She named him Joseph. This is Old Testament Joseph, not the, not the father of Jesus, saying, may the Lord give me another son. And uh, now it came about when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, send me away, and off they go. So Joseph is the firstborn son to Rachel, Jacob's true love. And her uh, naming Joseph, the revealing of his name is right in the verse. It's in verse 24. Give me another son is the meaning of Joseph's name. If you ever wondered what his name means, it actually literally means the Lord will add or the Lord has added or you could say Yahweh has added and what Rachel's thinking of in this setting is that she would like another son to bless Jacob. And she will have another son later in her life. That's recorded in Genesis 35. If you flip over there for a second, Genesis chapter 35. So here's the, the journey that they're on. Uh, verse 16 of Genesis 35. Then they journeyed from Bethel. This is the family of Jacob. And when there was still some distance to go to Aphrath, Rachel began to give birth and she suffered severe labor. When she was in severe labor, the midwife said to her, verse 17, Genesis 35, don't fear, don't be afraid for now you have another son. You could say the Lord has added. And it came about as her soul was departing. Interesting description of death. When you die, your soul departs from your body. When her soul was departing, for she died, that she named him Ben-Oni, but his father called him Ben-Hanin. So Ben-Oni means son of my sorrow. Ben-Hanin means son of my right hand. You could say my favorite son or my favorite son. And so Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath. That is, what's your Bible say? Bethlehem. And what's interesting about this scene is as we go back and we look at the name of Joseph, the legal father of Jesus, well, he, his name means the Lord has added his brother, his little brother that's born, who's the final son of Jacob by four different women here, the second son from Rachel, means son of my right hand. I want you to think about this, that the Lord has added is the name of Jesus' legal father, and son of my right hand is his brother. And the artistry of the Holy Spirit is so beautiful here because the Lord adds the Messiah, into humanity. When Jesus became uh, human, he didn't subtract his deity. He added the additional nature of humanity. That's one insight into who he is. But the Lord in Joseph's life added so many things. He added to him a beautiful wife named Mary. He added to him the son of God that he got to care for at least the first 12, 13 years of his life. That's as far as the record goes. Joseph got to watch him go to sleep, got to teach him things, got to uh, experience life raising the son of God, Yahweh added. 
But in the birth narrative, and just to round out the picture, the son of my right hand, you know that over and over again, our Bible say that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Thank you to all our Walk in Truth financial partners. And be sure to check out our Walk in Truth app, available in your app store. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Experience life raising the Son of God, Yahweh, added. But in the birth narrative, and just to round out the picture, the son of my right hand, you know that over and over again, our Bible say that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. He's at the right hand of the throne of God. He's at the right hand of God making intercession. On Wednesday, when Alex shared the message with us about the deity of Christ, he referenced Psalm 110. In Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. I believe that there's a beautiful artistry being painted here in the name Joseph, connecting to Old Testament Joseph, the Lord has added, and the son of my right hand. And interestingly enough, when the son of Rachel's right hand, or I should say Jacob's right hand is born, Rachel dies in Bethlehem, giving birth to the son of Jacob's right hand, but pointing to the greater son seated at the right hand of God. Amazing, isn't it? This is the beautiful artistry of the Bible. Now, if you go to the book of Matthew and you read the account in Matthew 1.18, now a transition word, the birth of Jesus Christ happened in this way. The Greek word means This is how it unfolded. And Matthew is telling the story from Joseph's perspective. Luke, his large focus is on Mary. Matthew's large focus is on Joseph, establishing the royal right to the throne. And he introduces this section of the miraculous birth that many of us have heard probably many times with the word now. This is how Jesus was born. You've seen his family tree. Now let's talk about how he came into the world. The birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus, his name, Christ His title, if you will, was as follows. It happened in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, that's the Joseph of the New Testament, before they came together, literally before the two became one in intimacy and marriage on their uh, wedding night, if you will, she was found to be with child. Pause there. She's betrothed to Joseph In Jewish culture, a betrothal period would happen uh, for about a year. And here's what would happen. The two fathers typically would get together. 
Uh, most of the marriages were arranged marriages. The two dads would work out a dowry, the, the price for the bride's hand. They would negotiate that, and then they would write a contract. And my understanding is that vows would be even exchanged at this early point. And when you were betrothed to someone, unlike modern engagement in our day, betrothal basically meant you were married. You were already in covenant. It just had not yet been consummated. The only way to break a betrothal was through divorce. So you may wonder, why is at this point Joseph called the husband of Mary? They're not yet married in the account. Well, that's because in betrothal, you were already considered to be a spouse. You could only break it by a legal divorce. There was very little social contact in this year between the prospective groom and bride. And of course, it would be unheard of that the bride-to-be would be pregnant in the betrothal period because the wedding, the marriage was to be consummated on the wedding night and not before. It was expected, of course, that the girl would be a virgin on that night. And now, as the betrothal period has been happening, word comes that Mary is with child before they came together. Now, in today's day and age, none of us would be shocked. This is the, the major theme of many uh, shows and movies, right? Adultery, children out of wedlock. We can even go back to the story of David and how he got Bathsheba pregnant and that whole ugly scene. We know that this does happen, but from Joseph's perspective, he had made a commitment to this young lady. The families had agreed. There were expectations. And all of a sudden, Joseph finds out that she is with child. And he doesn't know what we know. We know that a supernatural event has occurred in history that's been prophesied. But Joseph doesn't know that. He just knows that his wonderful bride-to-be is with child and he hasn't touched her. And so what scoundrel has touched her? What has she done? My name may mean the Lord has added, but it sure seems like the Lord has taken away. What do I do now? If those last words of verse 18 were not revealed to you, what would you do if your bride-to-be was with child and you hadn't touched her? On a human level, there's only one conclusion. Mary's been unfaithful. And Joseph has to think, I'm in a lose-lose situation. I don't know what to do, but I have just found out that the woman of my dreams is pregnant with a child that's not mine. What do I do now? And so what we do know is that we have really good relieving news at the end of the verse because the child that is in her has been conceived, read the end of verse 18 with me, by through the agency of the Holy Spirit. And it's at this point that some people, maybe moderns, but it doesn't have to be contemporary, minds might say, ah, come on. A virgin birth? Can I ask you a question? Is a virgin birth any more miraculous than a resurrection from the dead? You've been listening to The Miraculous Birth of the King, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is always available on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, 
Spotify, and many other podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please tell a friend about Walk in Truth? We hope today's teaching will be a blessing and uplifting to someone you care about. Would you please encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? If you're listening through your podcast app, please click the share button. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. When you think about the sinless Son of God, uh, fully man, fully God, without sin, the book of Hebrews tells that tells us that in other places, the sinless Son of God, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, 2 Corinthians 5. So what about us? Do we have a sin nature? Did we inherit that from our parents? Well, I would say yes. <laughs> we have we have a sin nature. I think it's undeniable. Romans 7, Ephesians 2, I think teaches that clearly. We have a problem with the sin nature, and we don't have to figure out every angle of it, but we can see it in little kids. And David said it in Psalm 51 and other places. So what do we do? What do we do with this problem with sin? Well, Jesus, the sinless Lamb of God, came to deal with that problem. And he came to take away sin. In fact, he nailed our sins to the cross. Have you heard that before? The king, the sinless king, came to save his people from their sins. Matthew 1, 21. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. God came down on a rescue mission. That's what this is all about. Yes, we have a sin problem. We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus Christ dealt with our biggest enemies, sin and death. And the only way you're going to make it out alive, in quotes, alive in the spirit, is to trust him, to grab that life preserver. Oh, my friend, you're listening right now. Maybe this is the first time you've listened to Christian radio in your life. Maybe it's been a long time and you you were changing stations and here you are. And God knows. God knows exactly where you are, how far you've drifted, but he saves. Jesus saves. Paul said that I'm the chief of sinners and this is a trustworthy statement. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. You qualify, so do I. <laughs> and I know you might be bummed out right now and feel like, man, could I ever be forgiven? Yes. Jesus Christ came to, came to save sinners among whom I am the foremost of all, says Paul. Paul persecuted the church. People died because Paul was standing there saying, yes, he should die like Stephen. Paul was guilty and yet he was made clean by the blood of Christ. Oh, cry out, my friend. Keep your eyes open if you're driving. Oh, Lord Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, forgive me. I believe in who you are. I believe you died on that terrible cross, resurrected from the dead. I believe you're the king. I believe you lived the perfect life that I could never live. I repent of my sin. I trust you and you alone to save me. Please save me. Let me be made new. Let me be born again. Maybe you need to rededicate your life right now. Oh, God, forgive me. Read Psalm 51 when you, when you get home or if you're home right now. A prayer of repentance. Create in me a clean heart. The gospel's in Psalm 51, my friends. 
Ah, it's so good. Hey, if we can help you in any way, reach out to us at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. You can find out everything you'd like to know about this ministry. You can also download the Walk in Truth app. It's free. Just go to the App Store, search Walk in Truth. You can keep up with the daily broadcasts and special stuff that we're putting out there on the app. And our next 633 event is called The Deconstruction of Christianity with very special guest speaker, Tim Barnett. Tim is an apologist with Stand to Reason. He does a great job moving across the country, U.S. and Canada, speaking to thousands each year. He's great with younger audiences like high school and young adults, but really for all ages. This is a hot topic right now in the church and in the culture, deconstructing Christianity. And Tim is going to give us clarity on the topic. It's happening October 22nd at both our morning services, 8.30 and 10.30 a.m., Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. It's right off the 91 freeway and Lincoln Avenue. To get information and driving directions, go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Bring out a, a group, bring out some teens from your youth group, young adults. It's going to be a very important morning. Walkintruth.com. We'll see you here. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. you got to check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us Monday for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, called The Miraculous Birth of the King. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.